0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Ow! Woo!
1: <laughs> hey, good day, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. This is the Pittsburgh Steelers Power Half Hour on behind the seal curtain dot com. Almost said dot
2: Is that a website? Story. Can we get that? We should I, register that. I, dot I, I,
1: I'm afraid of doing a daham website, because if you don't know what it is, you never know what might come up. But it's I don't think behind it's
2: ham. The- I think it's pronounced ham. Okay. Dot yeah. ham. <laughs> That's a different <laughs> website. <laughs> like print stuff onto a ham and just pass it along. It's delicious. Well either
1: way. Don't bring up that website because you never know. It might be inappropriate. Who knows? Yeah. Behind knows? the steel dot com. That's, that's the one. Yeah, that's the website we're with. And tonight we're talking about our five favorite Pittsburgh Steelers of all time. Hey, Paul Yanchek is taking the week off. But the three of us put together a list and we're gonna talk about guys that meant the most to us. Now you don't see our faces, but we're we're all in the mid forties. You know, we come from that weird time where we're all going for a midlife crises, lots of sobbing. I mean, you know, we're all a mess in various ways. But, you know, I half seriously, I say, you know, we like the Steelers during a certain time. Um, my first mm-hmm. Steelers game I watched was 81-82. I love reading the stories about the Steel Curtain, the four Super Bowls that we won in the 70s. Unfortunately, I was born in '75. I was too young to understand.
2: Even in '79, when they beat the Rams, no, so absolutely, my, I'm in the same situation. Like if I was wearing diapers, I really wasn't that aware right. of where where they were football wise. Uh, my Steeler fandom. I think I already admitted that yeah, I really started becoming a Steelers fan in the late '90s. So, 2000s era is really where my heart is with the Steelers. Uh, although I have a strong appreciation for the full history. Of uh, of Pittsburgh football, so yeah. But our, our list definitely reflects the fact of our age and when we came uh, fans of the team, and so these these are really the the uh, the top five people who have are really mean something to the three of us collectively. So it's none of any of the three of ours personal list. We were just discussing that before because some of the guys who are in the honorable mention. Didn't quite make the top list, even though they were actually very high on our individual lists. So the crossover is what we're talking about today.
1: Well, and I say that because you know us on Twitter. Um, you know they tag us with every Stewart's podcast. So contact us on Twitter, put a comment on the um, the website. We'd love to hear your list too. And depending on your age, your list might be different. If you're eighty, there might be guys from this fifties and sixties that. Um, you know, married to you love to hear what this list is, because honestly, there's some students have annoyed us over the years, but we're all Steelers fans. So there should be nobody that we're like, Oh, I can't believe it's in your top five. We'd love to hear what student nation thinks about our list as well as your list as well. So, Hey, let's start, um, on our number five and I'm bringing this up for us. Interesting guy. Uh, we were talking about him last week, the great TJ. Um, TJ, I think he's going to his what fourth or fifth year here for the Steelers. Yeah, something uh, like that. Yeah, he's still kind of a young guy, but obviously uh, TJ has really stepped up for the mm-hmm. Steelers. I remember the night they drafted TJ Watt, people didn't really know who he was. They're like, Oh, it's it's JJ Watt's little brother. Is he gonna be okay? Or is he just gonna be somebody that was propelled by Big Brother being a star? And you know, we've quickly found out, I mean, TJ has outshined even JJ. Um, and it's been interesting to see how he's developed. I'll be honest with you: we actually ranked our top ten Steelers to give a more complete list. TJ did not end up on my top ten list, not because of anything I dislike about TJ. He's still kind of young for me. I'd still like to see how his career develops. But I gotta say, I love watching how TJ has uh, dominated uh, tackles, and you know how he had worked with Bud Dupree. We're looking forward to see how he works with. High Smith as well as um, Melvin England this year. So even though he's not on my list, I like the fact that T.J. Watt's getting out love, and and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does this year. Let's get this contract situation figured out sh- soon, hopefully even by the time this podcast airs, and let's see what T.J. can nice. do this year
2: for the Steelers. That would be nice. We're recording this much earlier in the week. <laughs> We're hitting on Saturday, but it's is, uh, you know several days before that. Now I'm exactly with you. I think uh, on my list he may have been right at number five. So this may be where my vote lives. Um, I'm I defense is really my thing. Uh, I love. Defensive players, and I love our standout defensive players. The linebacker play is, is something that really uh, made me latch on to the, the Steelers as as a fan. And so that's just, it makes sense to me. This is where I live. This is where uh, the play that I really enjoy watching, and T.J. Watt is just amazing at it. It's only his fifth year, but uh, that quickly he's really come to symbolize that classic Steelers defensive uh, hard-hitting linebacker guy. And so the watching the penetration that he gets, the, how disruptive he is, how he's able to stop the run, these are things that I love about him, and that makes him one of my top five favorite stealers.
1: And, so I'm the but you, but I like when guys flash. By, well, by that, I mean guys who really kind of step up their game from one year to the other. Yeah. And I don't think TJ ever really struggled. But his rookie year, obviously, he didn't do what he was doing this year. Right. it's been great to see how he stepped up from year one to year two.
2: I'm anxious to see who does that this year for the Steelers. So, you know, TG has been fun to watch. Um, let's- he becomes one of those on-field on pace setters. Not that he's necessarily like the defensive captain or anything, but really um, sets the tone for everybody else working around him. And that's the definition of Steelers football.
1: Definitely. Hey, let's keep on our linebacker trend. Um, man, we could put a, a million linebackers in the top five. But Absolutely. Again, from the list of our top three, uh, we go to the great Kevin Green. And yes, I got to tell you, 2020 was depressing for many reasons. Pandemic wise, mm-hmm. I'm getting older, which mm-hmm. I mean, we could talk about that for years. I mean, that, that Let's was really not, depressing. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. We're all getting older. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what a rough year. But uh, on a serious note, man, one of the more sadder stories uh, came about this time last year when we lost the great Kevin Green. He died unexpectedly. Uh, he's no longer with us, but he left quite the legacy. Uh, I'm glad that he made um, Canton as a Hall of Famer when he was alive. He got to mm-hmm. experience that, enjoy it. Man, what a guy. Um, it, it was funny. Um, he played – he wasn't just a Pittsburgh Steeler. He came from the LA Rams. Uh, He ended his career, I believe, with the Carolina Panthers. Mm -hmm. But he had a great career for Steelers. Uh, We talked about his tandems. Um, Him and Greg Lloyd was a great tandem. And, you Mm -hmm. know, Kevin Green looked like the warrior. He had uh, long blonde hair. I mean, you you think of him being like a guy uh, that was fighting back in, I don't know, like ancient Rome or something. It it was was just a a gladiator type guy, which I, I loved. And, I'll be honest, uh, ranked a little bit higher on the Kapal list on my own individual list, but he definitely made the top 10 for me. Uh, j- just a fun guy to watch. I, I really like Kevin Green.
2: Yeah. No argument here. The list of things that you're talking about is really, I think, the reason that he's there. Uh, that just hard-hitting linebacker play and just a fun guy to watch. That long hair so distinctive uh, on the sidelines during that era, um, that long blonde hair. Uh, yeah, and his leadership was definitely evident when he moved on to the Carolina Panthers and started to build a a good legacy of that style of play, taking it from Pittsburgh on to uh, another team. So you know that he's that type of leader type as well. Um, That's always, again, something that I appreciate.
1: I wish he had played for Pittsburgh more. And it's interesting because some of these guys that were lower on the list actually played for Pittsburgh more. He was just that iconic character. I mean, he was just – he fit so perfectly with the coward defenses. And it was just a fun guy to watch. Let's spend some time because this is a guy that might be higher on your list depending on, uh, you know, your age and what you think. Uh, Big Ben was third on our compiled list. Um, what can't you say about Big Ben? I mean, you know, before it was a lost time when you think about the era between Terry Bradshaw and Big Ben, uh, the Steelers had some okay quarterbacks, maybe slightly above average. You look at guys like a Cordell Stewart or a Neil O'Donnell or Tommy Mack. So it wasn't, the cover wasn't completely dry, but it definitely wasn't, Filled with fruit. I mean, obviously, you know, Terry Bradshaw was that franchise quarterback that led the Steelers mm-hmm. fourth Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. You, were, you had a bunch of meh. You know, uh, we joke about my least favorite quarterback, Mark Malone, who, uh, you know, just gave a lot of <laughs> rough performances for the Steelers. But you had a bunch of other guys. It just wasn't great, wasn't bad. It was just eh. Like I think of guys like Cliff Stout. Um, I think of David Woodley was a guy. I'm not sure if you remember Joe. Uh, He came shortly after Bradshaw. Uh, He actually led the Sears to AFC title game once. They were up against Miami, but remember that was Dan Marino's rookie year, and Miami pretty much (laughs) ran Pittsburgh out of the AFC title game. That was 84. It was one of the first – and it was interesting because the Steelers obviously took a step back after Bradshaw left. They were good that year. They just ran into a buzzsaw with you know Marino, Clayton, Duper, and everything. It was, I think it was like 45-28, but didn't really even feel that close. Um, so you had a bunch of Steelers guys. Like Cordell was a conundrum. When Cordell was good, he was MVP-like. When Cordell was bad, he was really bad. Uh, Tommy Max was did some things, but he never was that franchise type guy. And then you had Ben. Um, As, you know, a lot of fans here in Ohio don't like John Elway because of, you know, Elway beating the Browns in the AFC title games. Um, You know, I didn't like John Elway, but John Elway beat up on the Steelers sometimes. Uh, But I always admired him as a quarterback. And, you know, in the draft, we suddenly got this John Elway type and with the Steelers. Um, Remember that year in the draft, uh, you know, Eli Manning was out. Philip Rivers was out. And I'll be honest, I really wanted them to pick B- Big Ben. I'm like, boy, I think he could be the best, even better than Eli Manning. And luckily, he fell to Sewers 11. What a career. Um, I guess my only criticism was, like all of us, he was a little immature in his 20s. I, I wonder if that held him back a little bit uh, for Ben. Uh, there were some other years where, you know, I, I think back to the years when they had Le'Veon and Antonio Brown, and that wasn't Big Ben's fault, but you think, man, could more have been done with how, how skilled they were. But I'll tell you, good pick from Big Ben. I'll shock you. He wasn't on my top ten, and that was nothing against Big Ben. I gravitate towards the defensive playmakers. That's what really fuels me. I guess my thing was I took Big Ben a little bit more for granted which I shouldn't have, but man, what a franchise quarterback for the Steelers at the time they need him. We Hopefully he can continue that in 2021, but even if he can't, what a great career. Uh, brought us two Super Bowls, and ho- hopefully we can make another run with him next year. Uh, what did you think about Big Ben?
2: Uh, he landed on this list exactly where I had him again. And this is probably, I don't know, I, I, that happened three times. I guess, so that up that'll happen again later. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's amazing for any franchise who have found a quarterback that they keep for as long as we've been running with big Ben. Uh, that is something special just in longevity terms and you don't get longevity unless you've got some quality years in there that, that continue to motivate a team to keep you and not seek to, you know, to, to, to throw you aside. But just starting from that first year, where you know suddenly this rookie quarterback is thrown into the starting situation, and you know how are these? How is this team that was supposed to do really really well going to win anything with this uh, this rookie quarterback? And he just ran the table like that's just that's amazing. That that's an underdog type story that uh continued to draw me in as a as a fan, uh that that something like that, a miracle like that can happen to a team like this. And so that was always something I, I really latched on to. Uh, I was very disappointed in uh in those in a couple of years that followed where he just seemed to be succumbing to all of the, you know, youthful um indiscretions and bad choices and whatever else as much as anybody would and people would constantly give me crap because he was the uh the quarterback for my favorite team because he kept making those kinds of mistakes um but it was the this scrappy type player I, uh, when I watch him, especially in those early years while he was young, I, that was still towards the end of the Favre era, and I always liked that kind of play as well. That backyard player that would just get out there and make things happen and be really hard to bring down and make something happen out of nothing, that was the kind of play that I liked to watch. So that was a big thing that drew me into being a, a fan of Big Ben and caused me to put him where he, where he is on this list. And let's continue to talk about Big Ben as we uh, finish up our first half
1: of the Pittsburgh Steelers Power Half Hour on BehindTheSealCurtain.com. We will take a break, but we're going to be back shortly to continue our discussion of Big Ben and our other favorite Steelers we followed through the years. Hang on. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Pittsburgh Steelers Power Half Hour. I'm Chris. I got Joe with me. Paul's off for the week. Um, And we are talking uh, Steelers on our compiled top five list uh, of our all-time favorite Steelers. Um, Going back for our list, number five, T.J. Watt. Um, Number four, we we're talking about the great Kevin Green. And number three, having a discussion about Big Ben, who's number three on our compiled list. Um, Joe was interesting, and we were both talking about the indiscretions, and, you know, Ben had a tough time, and, you know, I I think you could say a lot about his faith. Um, you know, Ben has kind of went back to kind of his roots in terms of faith, and honestly, if you look at Ben's life, if you um, check out that documentary, he made a four-part documentary on his recovery from surgery. And I think if you watch that, you understand Ben has a different faith, a different purpose than he had in his 20s. I, I applaud Ben for that, by, by finding that peace that you know, we're all looking for uh, in his faith and everything. And I, I really think that centered him as a football player. I think it's and as a leader for the Steelers. Um,
0: it's been really great to see.
2: Good. (laughs) I don't know if there's anything more to add to that. I mean, that transformation, I think, is hugely uh, positive. And I think probably even uh, helped him on the field as well as he matured into somebody who uh, prepared a little differently. And I think understood the value of what he was doing and being a a part of the entire team.
1: Well, you think how life would have changed. I mean, you know, Ben was struggling. Personally, uh, um, I think it was affecting some of his play in this field. I think back to that day where he almost lost his life. I mean, he got in that motorcycle wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, based on that and some other charges that were against him at the time, remember, he was suspended. It was a four-game suspension. I remember yes, reading some reports. I mean, yeah, well, I remember reports saying, not just a suspension, but people were saying, "Hey, you know, should the Steelers go in a different direction?" So just think about what could have happened to him personally, could have happened to the Steelers, and the Steelers moved in that direction. And there's a lot of talk saying, "Maybe, hey, maybe the Steelers should have traded him back then." And like I said, so I think the faith thing—wherever you stand on faith—we understand. But I think it really helped center Ben, and I think it helped keep Ben in Pittsburgh, and you know, brought two Super Bowls to the Steelers. So. Uh, It it was a good transformation for him, and I think uh, it it was really helpful uh, for him as a person, but as well as bringing stability to the Steelers. And, uh, Joe, i got to tell you, that's what makes the Steelers so appealing to us as a team, as us as guys, as well as fandom, is that continuity, the consistency. You think about only three head coaches in the past 50-some years. Exactly. And you also think, too – Why the Steelers were in this nomad wandering land was how many Corvettes did they go through between Bradshaw and Ben? Well, because they were able to find that continuity and because Ben was able to find that continuity in his life, I mean, Ben, how long has it been started for? It's been about, what, 16, 17 years now. Just think about what that means for the continuity of a team. Um, you look back, and we ran in the last week about the Browns and how much we disliked them. I mean, the Browns went through, what, probably 12, 13 quarterbacks in, in the same period. And I think that tells you why the Steelers are a more continuity team than a bunch of other teams. And that's what's led to the Steelers being so successful over you know, the past era. Absolutely. I, I, I agree would... with
2: that 100%. That, that consistency is is something that is hallmarked to the team. And, uh Yeah. Let's get back to number two on the list. And mm-hmm.
1: a little shocking, uh, don't don't send me the hate mail, send it to Paul. You know, Paul's not here tonight. But um, our number two pick was someone I did not have on my top ten. Really, Not that I didn't like him, but it was a – I took the poor guy for granted, Jerome Buss-Bettis. Yeah. I like Jerome Bennis. There's nothing I, I can say wrong about Jerome. Same thing with Ben. But you took his excellence – um, for granted a lot. And when I say you, I mean me. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, uh, when when the bus was rolling um, to lots and lots of yards, it was during my college years, which I still was definitely a Steelers fan. I, I got into a lot of dating during that time, and so sometimes I wasn't always glued to the TV on Sundays for Steelers games. So I missed some of that the, um, what would you say, the Highlights of Bus's career with Pittsburgh when he was getting all the hundred yard games, I right. uh, was chasing girls around in college. So I missed a little bit of that during that time. Um, I the time where I was watching Bus a lot more was near the end of his career when he mm-hmm. was like that second guy who helped solve away games for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't on my top 10, not because I didn't like him, I, I took the poor guy for granted. But what a First of all, what a find. Um, I was watching a Rams documentary. I got way too much time on my hands, Joe, from watching a Rams documentary. But it was the last year before they moved um, from L.A. to St. Louis. And, you know, they have fire sale. And they traded Jerome Bettis to Pittsburgh for not much at all. It it was just a steal of a trade back then, and obviously a steal of a trade right now uh, for the Steelers. And, you know, best talked about coming to Pittsburgh, finding a home there. Um, it really played to his style of football. Um, you know, maybe he's not in my top 10, but I love probably hundreds of Steelers players, and he definitely is on my love list. What a guy and what a great career. And I love the fact that he's still involved in Pittsburgh, and he's still a Steelers fan. And lots of uh, supportive tweets from his Twitter as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, when you talk about the ground-and-pound style of, of Pittsburgh cold-weather football, uh, Jerome Bettis is that guy. Uh, he is the, the epitome of of that sort of right down the middle uh hit you hard make you sorry you stood in his way type of football that has just to come to define what it is that Steelers fans want out of their offense and kind of what they've been missing for a while which is what we're hoping that uh, Najee Harris is going to be able to bring into the mix um And so that kind of definition, the strong linebacker play and the really pounding uh, uh, running back play is what defines the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he is the epitome of that. Uh, Even late in his career, he was the the change of pace, the uh, short yardage guy, but we knew he was going to go get it. Um, When it's time for that short yardage, you hand it to the bus, Get on the bus. It's going those short yards that you need to get. He's going to get you that touchdown when you're in the five. Um, That's what we love about Jerome Bettis. And just his spirit and his attitude and his energy became that rallying cry for the entire team, brought everybody around and brought uh, the, the level of play up all the way around him. And you think back to how a career could have changed. Uh, think back
1: to that last year that uh, Bus played. It was um, the what turned out to be the Steelers' fifth Super Bowl, where we beat Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Denver, and then Seattle in the Super Bowl. Think back to that Indianapolis game. Um, you know, the Steelers dominated the favorite Colts during that game. Um, you know, Ben gives the ball the best at the two to salt the game God. away. And, God. you know, hit ball, you know, flounders, uh, Colts pick it up, they're running and, and Ben had an incredible tackle kind of running backwards, reach out trips up to the Colts guy, And, you know, soon as hell on won the game and man, Seeing the anguish on Bess's face when the Colts looked like they were coming back to potentially take the game, I was so glad they won that game. Yeah. Because you know, that was year best retired. Now, maybe the fact that they won the Super Bowl that year made it easier from retired. retire. Like if God forbid they would have lost the game to the Colts, maybe he came back for another year saying, Oh, I can't go out like this.
2: But maybe if that had been the if that had been the end of that game. Yeah, his fumble. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would have been tough to retire on for sure. Um, yeah. And not to not to continue talking about Ben, but what kind of bad decision is that for a franchise quarterback to try to make a tackle like that? Name another quarterback that would make that tackle. No, Ben's gonna make that tackle. Almost nobody else would.
1: Right. <laughs> and, well, and
2: literally, that was the Super Bowl saving tackle. I mean, that, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm nobody glad. would have been in that position. Nobody would have been running that hard, that fast, and endangered themselves in the way to try to make a tackle like that. That's just a foolish play. But he's out there playing football. So, you know, and, anyway. and I'm glad Bess's career wouldn't have ended that way. And Absolutely. Again,
1: if if the Colts won the game, I would imagine Bess would have came back. Maybe he couldn't have. Maybe he, maybe just he said, couldn't
2: have. Yeah. yeah. He may have so, already been telling himself that this is it. Well, I'm so glad to did end that way. I'm
1: so glad I ended up in Detroit with uh, the fifth Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's end here. I'm, you know, the great Troy Palmono. Um He got inducted in Canton uh, recently uh, as a Hall of Famer. Oh, he's number one on our list. Um, I got to be honest with you, I love Troy. Troy is number two. Rod Woodson is number one. Um, I could mm-hmm. speak forever about Rob Woodson, but, man, <laughs> Troy, what – I, I gotta say, and we gotta have fun here, Joe. I didn't know much about Troy Palamano. I, he was the first round draft pick. I think it was still at the time I was chasing women, chasing who ended up being my future wife at college. I mm-hmm. remember, so I wasn't like deeply following like draft picks and everything, right? And I remember, we it was didn't early. do that back then. I don't yeah. remember it being that kind of thing back in the day. Yeah, Brian did not invite us to be podcasters in college, Brian. What's going on? Come on, bud. Um, but you know. It was funny. It was an earlier season game. Uh, Seals are in Green Bay playing, you know, they're at Lambeau. They're playing Brett Favre. Favre fumbles the ball. And I remember a, a steel guy picked it up. I was looking away. I think I was with my girlfriend who turned my wife at the time. And there's this guy with long hair just running all by himself. I'm like, who the heck is that guy? That was my first exposure to Troy Pondlano. Yeah. He had that long fumble return uh, against the Packers. And my goodness, what a career. Um, you know, Rob Woodson did some amazing things. Uh, you think about some long punt returns for touchdowns, interception returns. Troy had some plays that you just can't make it up. Um, I think I, back to the Titans. He jumped over the yeah. line before the snap yep. was made. Uh, the Chargers playoff game where he literally, in the snow, where you could easily trip and fall, he reached out, literally grabbed the ball with one finger. Mm -hmm. Um, right before it hits the ground. Um, You think about uh, the interception
2: in the Ravens game, where not only does he make this amazing interception, but weaves through the entire field and makes it back to the other side of the field entirely to score a touchdown and seal the game. Yeah. Jumping over the lines, any of the times that he jumped over the lines and makes a tackle uh, behind the line. And you're like, what, how did you time that? How did you know? Um, even, uh, Pat McAfee talked recently about a play that he was going to pull a fake and go into the, uh, the left side of the field. Cause nobody was ever over there. And right before the snap count, uh, P- Palamalu moves over to that side. He's like, what are you doing over there? You never go over there. Why are you over there? He just knew he there was something connected in his soul, in his spirit, to something beyond what you're looking at of the game. And he knew that something was happening. You know, we're we're all we're we're believers here. We're, we're, we're Christians. The Holy Spirit talked to that that man, that that believing man, and told him things that other people on the field did not know about and was able to execute things in a way that nobody else could. I think league wise, wide. I I think about Troy Polamalu as my favorite player, all time NFL period. Just because I love defense. I love making the spectacular plays that he did. I love the, the way he was able to predict routes and jump things and make interceptions, jump in the line. All of that stuff was just so amazing and spectacular for me that, that when it came time for me to, to really dig into being a Steelers fan, that was one of the reasons that I made that leap. Was his play was just uh, astounding to me, and I could watch it all day long.
1: And I love his humility. I love the fact, I mean, to do the things you can, you'd think he'd be running up and down going, look at me, look at me. He was definitely opposite of that. Um, and I think his safe had part of it to do with it. I wish he could stay more healthy. Um there was a time – I think he was injured. It was a Thursday night game after winning the Super Bowl against it, and they were playing the Titans, where he, he ran down Chris Johnson, and he had an incredible interception where he was, like, falling backwards. He got hurt, and although he was still great, he wasn't quite the player he used to be. So I, I wish the injury didn't bog him down. I didn't like the fact that he and the Steelers were kind of feuding near the end of his career. I love the fact that if you look back at speech, it seems like everything was okay, you mm-hmm. know, um, th- great tribute to Pittsburgh and, and what the team was like. So, mm-hmm. bravo, Detroit Palm. Uh, thanks. We're at the end of our time, retirement, but thanks for checking out the Steelers Power Half Hour. We're going to come back with uh, five more things to rank. Joe, thanks for taking part. And for Joe, this is Chris. Have a great day and go, Steelers.